0: Hello and welcome. This is Connie Reagan Green from Huge Profits, TinyList.com, with another call in the podcast series. Today we have a rare, rare treat, someone that I actually met in person in my own city. I'm going to be telling you all the details, but first I want to read a quote from the Huffington Post about her. If you are an entrepreneur or a wannabe entrepreneur – or an I-might-just-want-to-be-an-entrepreneur-when-I-grow-up-entrepreneur, Barbara J. Winter's wise work is for you. Welcome, Barbara.
1: Thank you for inviting me, Connie.
0: Well, I'm just thrilled, thrilled to have met you, and I'm going to tell a little little story of how, how we came to meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of, um, at this point, I've become the queen of delegating and outsourcing, and so I was determined that going to the post office was really at the very top of my list. There was nothing before that. That was number one that I didn't want to go to the post office anymore. And so I have a lady that does a variety of errands for me on a regular basis. So she's one of my independent contractors. And I said, yes, the post office—that's the most important thing. Once a week, when there's something to go out and mail to be picked up at the at my PO box there and everything. You know, I want you to do that. And she's always been thrilled to do it. Well, on that day. I was on my way to my rotary meeting. It was last fall, and i had I had something that I really wanted to get out and i you know so i have I'm not opposed to the post office, so I stopped and in line, you asked me something I don't remember how you started, but I talked to you, and uh we've talked about that later, talking to strangers and how wonderful that is. And we didn't have long. We just had a few minutes. And right. I was right in front of you. I got up to my window and you had gone to a different window. And I finished very quickly whatever I had and you were still there. And I thought, boy, that lady, she was just so nice. I really want to give her my card. I want to invite her to Rotary, which is what I do. It's a way to connect with people. And I waited and I waited and I looked at my phone to see what time it was. And I thought, boy, you've got a lot of serious business at the window, whatever's taking. Her. So in my mind, it took, you know, many, many minutes. And I almost left, and I thought, no, 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 I have time. I really want to wait and connect with you. And so I did. I went up and I gave you my card. And do you remember, was it then that you said something to me about what I do is similar to what you do, or was that when you emailed me later on?
1: I think it was It was then, or it might have, when we were still back in the line. It seems to me we were in the middle of getting to know each other, and they called you to the window.
0: Okay, all right, because then you sent me an email very, very quickly. I was so thrilled because most people that I give a card to, they don't seem to then make contact. They keep the card as something that they don't want to get fingerprints on or something. So they never make make that <laughs> <A> connection. <stupid laughs> <dear. laughs> yes, yeah, really amazing. And but you wrote the you sent me the email and I went to your site and I thought, Oh my goodness, you've been doing what I'm continuing to learn how to do for many, many years. So, you know, and I have your book, Joyfully Jobless, which I have at me forward slash joy, J-O-Y. I want people to pick up the book. I keep that book in my car with a box of my books. And it's the only other physical paperback book of anybody else's that I keep with me at all times. Oh, so, I'm flattered. Well, I, I, just, I, I, love, I love that book. I call it educational, inspirational, and uh, humorousical. So tell us <laughs> how this, this came to be. You're in a little town in Minnesota, and everything changes.
1: And everything changed when I moved to Wisconsin, actually. Um, but it was sort of brewing for a while. I started out... Absolutely not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I went off to college thinking, well, you know, I'll graduate from college and then I'll be an adult and then I'll know. (laughs) And the first thing that happened was when I got there, they asked me to declare a major before I could register for college. And that was, like, way more commitment than I wanted to make. (laughs) (laughs) But I um, thought, well, I've got to say something. So I said English. And I actually became an English and speech teacher as a result of opening my mouth on that day. (laughs) And I taught for five years. And I loved it in many ways and at the same time was terrified that I was just going to set myself on this course of having the same year over and over and over again, like Groundhog Day. And I was surrounded by people who'd been in the same little school for years and weren't very excited about it, but just kept dragging themselves in every day. And, you know, now I realize what a disservice that is to our children when we reluctantly stay in the classroom. Yeah. So it took me a year from the moment I realized I had to quit until I had the courage to do so. And when I left, I got absolutely no encouragement about that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little froggy here this morning. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people would say, how can you throw away your security? How can you throw away your education? And I was scared to death, and my answer to that those questions was, I don't know, I just know I have to go. And I sat around for a while trying to figure out what I was going to do next, and um, nothing really occurred to me. So one day I thought, oh, I've heard about something called the employment service. I'm going to go there and see if I can get a job. So I went to this bigger town down the road about 20 miles, and uh went in and talked to the job counselors and to my astonishment they hired me to become a job counselor. <laughs> now I don't know how to figure out what I wanna do, but now I am a civil servant being paid to counsel other people. <laughs> and uh, when I do seminars now I ask often ask the group how many of you have been to an employment service and it's usually, you know, a pretty good percentage of people in the room. Then I say, how many of you found a job that way? And often it's nobody, or it might be one or two people. So the, um, the blessing in that year I spent at the employment service was that all I did all day, every day was talk to people about their work and realize that almost nobody knew how to figure out what they should be doing. That we just had really terrible tools for helping people find what the Buddhists call right livelihood, Mm. and um, so from there, my I got pregnant while I was there, and when my daughter was born, I took a couple of years off, and I thought, you know, while she's uh, while I'm being a full time mom, I am going to throw myself into figuring this out because. I wasn't 30 years old yet, and I was, you know, thinking what's going to become of me. I've been through two careers now, and I didn't like either of them. And, um, you know, there's that lovely Buddhist proverb that says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I met this man who was like... Nobody I had ever met before. And he was an entrepreneur. He was starting a a new business, kind of uh, marketing products his father, who was an inventor, had invented. But Bob Conklin, who was the man, uh, had been a very successful real estate salesperson and then became a speaker and writer and was really into personal growth and development, which was... Untapped territory, from as from my point of view, I knew nothing about this, and I he just started kind of gently suggesting things to me, like books I should read, and there were a lot fewer self help books at that time. But I I was a star pupil and just devoured anything he suggested to me, and then eventually started going to seminars and. That sort of thing. <coughs>
0: Excuse me. But that's such an exciting story that you were open to things. And that's similar to what happened to me. You know, I became open to learning and just doing more overall. And it's really life-changing for us.
1: It is. And and that's why, you know, I say I came in kind of through the back door to self-employment. And I think it's really true that when people go on a quest, whether it's self-discovery, a spiritual adventure. The moment comes when you've got to have a laboratory to test these new ideas. And very often the environment you've been in isn't the right place for that. And so it gradually occurred to me that I wanted to work for myself. And so I did what I always do, started at the library, looking for books on how to start your own business. There weren't a lot of those around at that time either. Not like there are today. And all of the books I could find, I think I went to some small business administration workshops too, but they all assumed that if you wanted to start a business, you wanted a conventional business with employees and pension plans and all of that. And that was you know, not what I had in mind. I wanted to be self-employed, and the closest I could come to finding information that applied to me was uh, things that were written for people who wanted to be freelance writers. Even though at that time I never thought I was going to write, I wanted to be a speaker, and I re- had realized in all this soul searching that I loved teaching. I just didn't want to do it every day, and I didn't <laughs> want to do it in the environment that I'd been doing it in, and I kind of thought maybe adults would be fun to teach, you know, and that was a whole new kind of thought for me.
0: Well, you know, Barbara, your story, I mean, it just, it, it coincides with what my life has been like so, so much, where I was in the classroom for 20 years with all the way K through 12, and I did go to adult school for a couple of years because I thought teaching adults might be more joyous To my soul, Mm -hmm. and it's you know so it's a a different energy when you're doing that, but you know so many of the things you're describing, it's exactly what I've gone through, and so many of my students and people that'll be listening to this podcast over over the years, you know they're going through the same the same thing, and you have emerged triumphant with all of this. (laughs) Well, and
1: you know what, and sometimes Connie, it's just a astonishes me. It doesn't astonish me that I tried it but that I didn't quit. That's what's astonishing to me because when I look back the first, well we moved from Minnesota to Wisconsin and that was really empowering to me because now instead of being in this little town where I'd grown up and everyone knew everything about everybody else, I was anonymous. I was in this new place and nobody knew me and it was like i'm going to start my own business and if i'm a dismal failure nobody's going to know <laughs> and you know so so that was that was really i i i think it it was a really powerful uh part of the whole process but the whole time i was there and it wasn't that long it was probably about a year and a half and then we moved to santa barbara after that but the whole time i was laying the groundwork i didn't know another woman who was self-employed wow and when i moved to santa barbara that was one of my goals was that i wanted to meet another woman who worked for herself which i did i think about six months after i got there and then we became good friends the whole time that i lived there and that made a huge difference and so i'm kind of you know uh Uh, I can't think of the word I want to use, Uh, insistent that people really start connecting with other self-employed people. It makes an enormous difference to your own success. And as you know, all of us know this, when we go down this road, our thinking starts to change. We see things differently. We recognize, for instance, how kind of the dreary conversations that we often go through in a work situation where, you know, we're sitting around with our co-workers complaining about whatever we're complaining about that day. It's too costly to do that when you work for yourself. It's, you know, it's like a luxury you cannot indulge in because it sets you back in your own path. And so we you know we just see things differently and we see things more creatively and we think possibilities and we realize well there isn't just one solution to every problem there are probably dozens of solutions and it's just a matter of finding the one that works so it's it's really a willingness to experiment that doesn't exist when we're trying to follow somebody else's plan for our life.
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, with me that was part of the attraction uh when I discovered the Rotary Club when I first came to Santa Clarita because just the first few times I went, I, I went off and on before I joined four months later. And in the summer of two thousand six when I had just moved here a couple of months before and I was trying to start the business I really responded to the people there that were small business owners for the most part, a few entrepreneurs, but mainly Uh small business owners, and the conversation was so different than what I was used to. And it took me a while because I'm very verbose and I'm not shy when it comes to conversation, but I found myself really not saying much because I, I wasn't used to hearing that type of talk, Mm -hmm. And I had to wait until I could fit in in my thinking. And my thinking was changing so rapidly at that time from everything I was doing. And finally, when I had conversations with them, it was so relaxing. It was so enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I hated to see them end, whereas... When I was teaching and doing real estate I just wanted to get away from the people. I couldn't take it anymore.
1: Right. <laughs> I had I had a student in Minneapolis who had worked for Northwest Airlines for quite a few years before she took my seminars and went out on her own. And about a year later, after she had left, she got invited to Happy Hour with some of her previous coworkers. <laughs> and and you know, she was all excited she was gonna see them again. And she came away, too, saying, oh, my gosh, that was the gloomiest thing I've done since I laughed. And, and it so gloomy. I think when that's we're, in the, the right when we're in the midst of it, we don't realize it. Yeah. And yeah. then when we have the, the contrast, and and that's why I also am so insistent that people don't just look for information online when they're starting a business but that they find reasons to put themselves in a room with other people who are self-employed whether it's like you did with rotary or like you also do by going to seminars and connecting with people and i think a mistake that that newcomers often make is thinking well i've got to find people who are doing exactly what i'm doing and the truth is You've got to find people with entrepreneurial spirit, and be inspired by that, and it you know then it has a spillover effect into what you're doing too.
0: Yes, I love how how you put that. Uh, I I really do. Well, um, tell us more about how Joyfully Jobless came came to be. Because did it first come out in 1993?
1: And that's not the title, by the way.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, see, and I always, I always refer to it. You just call it. it
1: that because call, that's my okay. Here, here it is: it's
0: making a living without a job, winning Correct. ways to creating work that you love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. <laughs> well, in
1: 1986, I moved to Minneapolis, so I kind of did a big circle from Minnesota to Wisconsin to California to Boulder, Colorado, to back to Minnesota, and. Um, I wasn't entirely sure what I was going to be doing once I got there. I had a contract with a seminar company, and so I was doing some stress management, of all things, seminars for women out on the road. So I had a contract to do that, but I wasn't really sure what my next um, program was going to be. And one of the things that happened to me in the first few months I was there is that I was really busy trying to meet people and, you know, find my place in the community. And so I accepted any invitation that I got to do social things. And I realized after a few months that every time I was with a group of people and they would ask me what I did and I would start talking about this kind of freelance thing I was putting together, they would get this wistful look in their eye and say, oh, I wish I could work for myself. And I'd say, you can. And then I'd spend (laughs) the rest of the evening telling them how to do it. And and one day I thought, you know, I would have a better time at parties if I could just get all these people together at once (laughs) and explain this to them. Ah. And about the same moment, I heard about uh, an independent adult ed program that was about a year old. that had started in Minneapolis. And so I I saw their catalog, and I sent them a proposal for several different classes, including, and it was kind of an afterthought, one for something called Making a Living Without a Job. And to my great amazement at that time, they accepted all my proposals. I learned later that, you know, they were new in town, they were like a year old and they were desperate for anything to put in their catalogue.
0: So You were a godsend. <laughs> they got that and they thought oh, thank, thank you, thank you.
1: But as it turned out, <laughs> they were a godsend for me because they let me try anything. So for about two years I would just any idea I had I'd send it off to them, we'd put it in the catalog and I'd go in and do the class and You know, some of them stayed in my repertoire, and some of them, it was like, once was enough for that. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the thing that happened, to my astonishment, I thought making a living without a job was so radical, and Minneapolis was so rather conservative, that, you know, maybe I'd do the class once or twice, and then everybody who was interested in it would have taken it, but that wasn't what happened. And the first time we had it in the catalog, I still remember Bob Walling, the director, called me up and he said, you better know how to make a living without a job. We've got 70 people that want to take it, and our (laughs) our classroom only holds 30. And so we had to do two sections the first time because we had Uh twice as many people signed up. And, you know, and I was still kind of oblivious And we kept putting it in every catalog, so I probably did it four or five times every year, and it always sold out, and and then Bob Walling went to a conference of um, other adult ed, I can't remember the name of the organization, but they have an annual conference for people who work in adult ed, and all these independent companies were springing up at this time around the country, and... So they would have their little breakout session and share ideas about courses they were offering that were doing well in their cities. And so after that meeting, I started getting calls from around the country to go to other cities to do the class. And so for most of the 90s, Making a living without a job and my other classes, Establish Yourself as an expert and how to support your wonderlust were probably some of the best selling adult ed classes all over the country. And Canada. So that was kinda how it started. Right at the beginning people said to me, Are you do you have a book? And I knew there was going to be a book, but I also knew I didn't want to write it until I had stories from people who had done my seminars that I could put in. So um, eventually I got invited to teach at the Learning Annex in New York and I got this crazy idea. And the crazy idea was that somebody in publishing in New York was going to see my course and say, ooh, that would be a good book, (laughs) which I thought would be way easier than me trying to get the attention of a publisher. And so I went to New York, and that didn't happen. Then about six months later, I went back to New York, and I had 125 people in that seminar. And probably one of the most enthusiastic groups I'd ever had, and two publishers sent editors to my program, and that was on a Saturday, and on Tuesday, both of them made offers to me and um <laughs>
0: that what was an incredible kind of, story and
1: in that was kind of a dilemma though, because it was like, oh my gosh. Now I have to have a bidding war. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do this. I don't have an agent. I don't know how to do this. And um, so what I did was I, I wrote out a list of questions, and I asked both of the potential editors those questions as a way to decide which one I wanted to go with. And, and Mantle, I still remember the one – Well, and Bantam was the winner, but I still remember this, Connie, because it it was so amusing when it actually happened. The question was, if we have a disagreement, how does it get settled? And my editor said, Barbara, I can still hear her voice, Barbara, it's your book. I heard that as, Barbara, you are the final say.
0: That wasn't actually how it happened, of course. (laughs)
1: interesting well
0: you you know what we're coming we're coming to the end of our time i i love what you've shared i wish we could talk forever i'll have to have you back for for part two do you do you promise to come back in the future
1: you know how to find me (laughs) i would love to come back
0: wonderful wonderful well i i like the points that you're making though that you didn't write the book you you did things kind of in the proper order you waited until you had taught the seminar and people had come and had been successful you you really waited you you were willing to put in that time and energy to help other people to serve others which is what we are doing here until you you know got the book going and i think in doing that that way you build a lifetime of entrepreneurship that's more meaningful, more profitable, you're calling the shots more instead of so many of us jump right in and do things when we're not quite at the right spot in our, in our careers.
1: I do. I I intuitively felt right. And, and one thing I want to say, even though I know we're almost out of time is also early on, I made a list of, of what I would and would not do in my business. And one of the things that I put in my, and I have never changed my mind about this is I will not develop dependency relationships. So my goal was always for people to use my information to become self-reliant, that I wasn't going to keep trying to sell them the next program and the next program and the next program. And I always saw myself as um <laughs> like Johnny Appleseed, who's always the, <laughs> the kind of metaphor I use, that I just go around the country and I plant seeds, and I do not stay around to see how the orchard grows. But fortunately... You know, over the years, lots of people have contacted me to tell me what they're doing. And that's exactly what I'm sharing on my blog this month is um, different letters and emails I've gotten from people telling me their stories. So I love that part of what I do.
0: Wonderful. And you're on the go as much as I am. I see that you're going to be in Toronto and Durham and Long Beach, Mississippi, and all over Wherever the place. Wherever that might be. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: I, I yeah, started I a new, a new little project this year and just kind of threw it out and said, is there anyone out there who'd like to organize seminars with me? And I thought maybe four people would respond, and we had over 20. Wow. And so um, I'm back on the road, although until I get my health problems under control, I can't go on airplanes. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, had yeah, the to flying re- it's yeah. hard on us. Yeah, and I had invited you to um, come to my event, and it turns out that that's your birthday weekend in October. But Las Vegas is my number one choice for places to do things. And
1: I I love it, so, it too. So we'll it have is, to put
0: something together before the end of, of well, within a year. Let's you and I plan to, to do something.
1: I to. I will take you up on that. I okay. love that idea.
0: Okay, Las yes. Vegas is—it's a better spot than Southern California for so many reasons.
1: It is. It's so easy in and out. Besides the fact that this place is just oozing entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. And a lot of people who yes. come there as a tourist don't see that. My goal always in doing a seminar there is to help people who don't like Las Vegas <laughs> see how amazing it is.
0: Oh yeah. And how of, creative
1: kind of it is, on. and you know. It's it's so totally crazy that someone would say, "Oh yeah, out here in the desert, let's build this place. I'm sure people are going to want to come." <laughs> I mean, it's just nuts. And it is such a tribute to human creativity. So
0: It is. It is. Yeah. All right, well, I want people immediately you must get the book and order the paperback so that you can make notes and Hold it in your hand. I want you, in this case, to have the real book. Go to ConnieLoves.me forward slash joy and pick up the book. Your next stop is it at Barbara's site at joyfullyjobless.com. You're going to sign up for her email list. She sends wonderful things. And read all about her, see if she's going to be showing up in a town near you. So, again, this is Connie Reagan Green from Huge Profits Tiny List.com. Be sure to sign up for all of the calls in the podcast series. And thank you once again, Barbara.
1: Thank you for having me. Bye bye.